Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm going to begin this podcast with Mark Topkins' words that he wrote in the Tampa Bay Times on a very uh, difficult day on Sunday. And he wrote the following, Dave Wills loved being Dave Wills. And that is so incredibly simplistic and true at the same time. Um, And we all, of course, feel just terrible. and we mourn the passing of Dave Wills. The The news came early on Sunday. It's one of those, Steve, where you'll never forget where you were, right? Because 58 years old, um, this is somebody, obviously, you work very close with all the time, um, you know, doing the Rays broadcast. Mm-hmm. And I have my stories uh, about the times and, and, you know, that I spent with him as well. Um, and I'll get into this later. He's a neighbor. He's literally one development over. We've been to Dave's um, dugout. Yeah, I have been to Dave's dugout. We did a show there. We else. recorded a podcast there. For the yes, show. we did. Yes, we did. Uh, Dave's Dave's bar in his home up here in uh, Lutz, Florida, off Lutz Lake Fern Road, where I live, not not too far down the road. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. He um, and, and we, we want to talk and celebrate Dave. This is the thing. Um, while unspeakably tragic, uh, you know, and all you can think of, of course, you know is his family at this time and you know his wife Liz and and his children and just you know how difficult a time it must be for them um but for Dave and you said this when we were about to go on the podcast he would want us to talk about his life and about the times that we had with him and and how he made you feel and that's what Dave was. He was larger than life. I mean, this dude, this dude's personality was as big as Dave. Dave was a big dude, but this dude's personality and just, you know, the, his infectiousness and his love and passion for baseball and his the pride that he took in his story, which is remarkable, making it to the major leagues as a play-by-play guy. Steve, you may share this this. I haven't really talked to you about this really much, but you worked in baseball. Obviously, you've been around some of the great baseball play-by-play announcers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I wanted to do in my life. That's what I've done since I was seven years old. You know, my dad was a baseball coach, and you know, would sit there and I, you know, call the games in my head. And um, you know, when I wasn't old enough to play Legion ball for him, I would was in the press box doing the PA announcing and things like that. So Dave Wills has the job or had the job that. I think every little boy that grew up loving the game wanted to do, right? Um, but no one could quite do it as well as Dave. And uh, he made it seem so seamless. But the greatest thing was, and I think there's been stories about this that I've read today, and I'm sure you have your own, um, is just how how generous he was, how welcoming he was to everyone um, that encountered him on the beat, uh, as a reporter, a fan, 
any any walk of life, really, when you would approach him, and he would always tell you, hey, anything you need. And a lot of people say that, you know, it's polite, and you know, hey, anything you need. Dave Wills lived it. Like, Dave Wills was there for you, man. Um, and just, just a quick story that I have was I was covering the race at a time um, for about a month when Mark Tompkins was unable to, um, and... I, you know, I know baseball. I didn't know the Rays the way you're supposed to as a beat writer, but, you know, I figured I'd, I'll jump in there and do the best I can. Dave wasn't having any of that. We went on a road trip to Baltimore. He told me, you're going to breakfast, or I guess it was would have been lunch because they had a uh, yeah, 7 Dave, o'clock Dave game. didn't do breakfast very often. No, he didn't. No, no he didn't. He came in he, at breakfast, he didn't but care he didn't for those do day breakfast. Games. He didn't care for the day games. <laughs> no, he did not. But this was fortunately after a, a night game or a road trip or whatever, and he met me for lunch uh, before we would then go to the ballpark, you know, um, and the clubhouse opened at 3 or 3.30 or whatever in Baltimore. Um, and he's, you know, you're coming to lunch with me. Okay, meet you downstairs. It's all right. And, I mean, tell, tell his, told his story, which is remarkable, how he became a major league broadcaster, did not take uh, a very traditional road uh, to that occupation. Um, but really just, you know, any you know, showed you the ropes like here's what we do here's the schedule here's here's who you need to talk like you know all of that and i felt like i'd been on the beat for about a year or two by the time i was done with one road trip because of the help that he gave me it was incredible and that's how he was i think steve with every single person he encountered the amount of stories i read today trisha whitaker mm-hmm. doug wechter I mean, Neil Solance and, and many, many others yeah. of how Dave would take those people under their, his wing and help them and guide them and, and help them be better at their job and help right. them succeed from the beginning. That's right. You know, that he, he had enough pride in, in himself, in the organization, in the team, in the community. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and as you said, some guys talk the talk, he walked the walk. Yeah, like did. when he said anything you need, he meant it. Yeah. And it didn't matter what you asked or what you needed. He would be there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just a dear friend to all who knew him. And and, yeah. and he never met a stranger. No, he didn't. <laughs> Not, well, you weren't a stranger for more than 10 seconds. No. And, of course, you know, that voice of his and, and, and that laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, loved, loved people. Loved to laugh. Had time for everyone. But loved his job and was proud of what he did and was so good at it. So incredibly good at it. Um, you know, you would marvel at just uh, how how easy he made it seem. Um, but, yeah, it, it you know, and, and for me, um, we had a – it ended up, you know, Dave would tell you how he got to the big leagues and he'd tell you his story. He was so proud of it the first time you'd meet him. Um, but for us, it was eerily – like there were a lot of weird coincidences <laughs> that I still – to this day, I can't really believe. So, and he talks about this very often. You know, Dave is from a place called Oak Lawn, Illinois, which mm-hmm. is in southern Chicago, the south side of Chicago. And so we're having lunch for the very first time in Baltimore after I've come onto the beat to fill in for about a month. And so he's telling me this story. Oh, where are you from? And oh, I grew up in St. Petersburg, you know, and I'm actually kind of a local. And I went to Dixie Hall oh, High School, you know, Dixie Hall. And I played baseball in college. He goes, yeah, I did too, you know. And we're going on and on. It's like, where were you from? And he goes, I'm from Oak Lawn. And I went, no way. My wife is from Oak Lawn. And he goes, really? 
what what where does she live and i said 91st street he goes no way i said yeah 91st street he goes across from the elementary school i go yeah he goes that's where i grew up it says in fact my parents still live there um there's a bunch of roads right across is it like and, and i said it mead and he goes yes and I was like, there's like an avenue, there's a couple, couple avenues begin with an M. And literally on that corner, they are maybe seven houses away from my in-laws um, <laughs> is where he grew up. So then it gets weirder, right? So where do you live now? Oh, I'm in Lutz up here off of Villa, in Villa Rosa, off Lutz Lake Front. So are we. He is one development <laughs> over <laughs> from where I live today. So... It was just like, whoo, I guess we were meant to be friends. Um, so every time I would go to Oak Lawn, there was some favorite spots of his that he liked to, you know, get a sandwich or, or a beer. Uh, and I would, I would send him a photograph and I'd say, hey, where am I? You know? Um, but yeah, it was, it, it, we had this connection. And, and me and you got to go, we got to go to Dave's dugout. Mm-hmm. We've been in his home, right? Yes. He, yeah. he built this unbelievable bar, um, recorded a podcast there with yep. him. Yeah, he would talk about it on the air all the time, and and he loved Dave's dugout. Oh yeah, you walk into his house. Now this is this is a gone mm-hmm. true. So you walk into his. It's a beautiful home, and you you walk into his house. There's a staircase that goes upstairs to the bedrooms on the left. There's a, the 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 family room is is sort of down the hall in front of you. It's open to a a, a big pool and an eye and a, a beautiful kind of man made lake off a golf course and whatnot. But literally, as you walk in, what would normally be a lot of people's formal living room, I guess mm-hmm. you would say. Or formal dining room, one of the two. Formal yeah. dining room. Yeah, dining room, something. That's the bar. Yep. <laughs> That's the first thing you see, man. It's so cool. Dave does not have a need for a formal living room or formal <laughs> <No>. dining room. <laughs> no. This is how we greet everybody. Come on, have a beer. Let's just sit down. You know? And, uh, yeah, it's just, oh, so much fun. But... um. But yeah, he 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 also, you know, and this is difficult sometimes too because I think, I mean, a lot of broadcasters and you've worked with them, Steve. Like they get to know the players very very well because they interview them. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that we had to do with the Tampa Bay Times because Mark Tompkins would do this, and it was kind of a contractual deal that we had, and it still mm-hmm. goes on today. I don't know if it's contractual or not, but like you'd always hear, you know, in the pregame with Neil Solon, so let's go down to David Wills, who's with Mark Tompkin, you know, or who's with whoever was covering, Roger Mooney, whoever was covering that day. And when I had to cover them, it was then I'd have to do the radio thing. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of intimidating when you've not been there for a whole series before that or maybe the last five series before that, mm-hmm. and you're kind of a fill-in for that day. No problem for Dave. <laughs> he would, You'd sit there, you'd listen to whether it was Kevin Cash, Joe Madden, whatever, and he'd say, okay, what you got? And they, had, they of course, knew what the news of the day was and they'd queue you up on a couple of things. And then he'd always throw in a Bucks thing or he, you know, anything to make you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And by the time you got done with it, you're like, wow, you really made me look good and made me look like I knew what the hell I was talking about when I was really kind of jaking it. So uh, that's a talent. That's a talent to make people, one, feel at ease with you, and two, make you sound better than you really are. That is a huge talent that most people do not have. Mm-mm. And it's not no something way. you can coach. No. You can you can you can hone Encourage it, make it better, it. but it, yeah. it's nothing you can't teach that. Right. Like that's a skill and art and Dave was very skilled at it. Yes, he was. You know, he made everyone feel at ease. 
no matter the situation. It, and I think of uh, you know him and Andy who have been together since two thousand and five. They they were thrown together, kind of, mm-hmm. kind of like a an arranged marriage, if you will. They interviewed separately, didn't know each other mm-hmm. prior to getting the job, and um, so they first met when they were hired in two thousand five. Eighteen years. First of all, you spend eighteen years with anyone, right? That mm-hmm. means you're like brothers, and they were, and they are. They were, um, but they are the polar opposites. And it's couldn't probably be why more it different. It's why it, it was worked. so great. Yeah, so great. Yeah, it, it, it was. It's it's why the marriage worked. Yeah. And because... the jokes between them and making fun of them for the reason they're opposites. And that it's, <laughs> yep. it's all part of it. And it's all part of, you know, what made them brothers. I mean, yeah. you know, they're not brothers by birth, but they're brothers. Yeah. And, no and, doubt. you know, what Andy is feeling and, and, you know, I mean, of course, Liz and Alex and, and Michelle and Dave's family, but, you know, mm. Andy's practically part of that family, too. And, and yeah. I, I, I was texting back and forth with Andy a little bit today and mm-hmm. just, I mean, Dave worked Saturday. He worked the game I Saturday. Know. He was fine. I know. I, I know. I, I, I mean, it was did. a gut punch when I saw the news this morning. Oh, it was shocking, and 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 you just you just don't really believe it. Like when I saw that you'd sent me the the tweet or whatever, I just looked at it and went, "Wait, wait, wait, what?" Like I had to read it two first... or three times. I was like, I was like, "No, this, this, no way." Yeah, I mean, right, I heard him exactly. on the radio Saturday. I was like, "Yeah, I just yeah. heard you." I just heard you. Yeah, the day before, and their first broadcast that they did for spring training, I remember listening to it specifically. Um, it just happened to come on um when i got in my car or whatever i was doing and uh the uh the conversation between him and andy was interesting because it was it's like well how you you know how you been buddy i didn't see you for a long time i mean it's been about six months together now you know that here we ready to go you know and and they were excited to be back calling games together right Mm -hmm. they were you know um because they like a opposites yes and when you work together that much you generally spend time with your family and not each other um so they had he goes i missed you you know like they kind of go their own way a little bit in the off mm-hmm. season and then they come back and they're going to spend six months every you know every day calling race baseball and they were so generally you know just happy to be together again uh it's like you know hey what's going on? now at the end of last season and you know this steve um he did. He did have some health issues. Oh yeah, no, he missed what the last two weeks of the season. Yes, mm-hmm. had some issues in Toronto, right? Which also made it tougher to get across the border mm. and such. And you know, he missed the last couple of weeks. He missed a couple of the playoff games. I think he finally did a couple of the at the end there. Um, yeah, but yeah, but he had you know kind of changed some things and had been better, mm-hmm. and you know had that under control. I can't remember exactly what he had, but. It was it was similar to and I, I I'm mm-hmm. I'm not a doctor I remember reading about it it was similar to kind of like an AFib you know kind of yeah. a, your regular heartbeat it, it type is. thing I can't remember the name of it but yeah it's yeah. very similar to that mm-hmm. um, but they you know everything was going fine I remember talking to his wife Liz uh, during yeah. one of the playoff games last year right or, or right before I, I I'm losing track of what time it was but it was right at the end of the season there yeah and about it and you know kind of what she went through with it and how Dave was doing at the time right. And, you know, everything's been fine. And like I said, he worked Saturday and, and was everything was great and fine. I mean, you know, from everyone I've talked to, there was no issues or anything. So uh, yeah, that's just a, I, a, a true gut punch. 
Yeah, sometime during the night, um, his wife noticed that uh, things weren't well um, around 3 a.m. or so, and then obviously uh, um, called 911 and and paramedics and whatever. Um, I was reading a quote by Andy Freed in Mark Tompkins' story in the Tampa Bay Times, and Andy said, you know, John Miller would say that as a broadcaster, you want to be good company. That the people you're with all the time, you, you know, you're with them in their cars, in their houses, when they're doing yard work. And Dave himself is very good company. He can make you laugh. At least me, he can make me laugh until I fell off my chair. He could also be a great sounding board when things weren't going well. And he was a very, very good listener. Mm-hmm. And that's the quality that most people don't have, right? Is It's one thing to give advice and, you know, be confident in yourself and all this. But Dave would really listen to you. He wanted to know your story. He wanted to know everybody, um, and then and then he would offer you any kind of advice, any kind of help, like you said, um, that you needed. Kevin Cash, I know, was gutted by this similarly. Um, Went to his house Sunday morning to go visit with Liz. He and did. His yeah. family left the trop and then came back for the game. Yeah, and the, the Rays did something I thought that was appropriate. There was no radio broadcast to the spring training game on Sunday. I don't know. I don't know how they could have done one. I mean, I, there's I, no way. Yeah. I didn't talk to Andy. Yeah. Uh, we were texting. And, right. and Neil. So, but there's no way Andy or Neil. Mm-mm. Uh, there's no way they could have done that. No. Even though Dave no. would have told him to do it. Of course he would have. But there's but they no needed, way they could have. They needed to be there for themselves, for their fam- for his family, for, for whatever help they could lend. But... Um, yeah, I thought it was, it was probably, you know, def, you know the, the right, the right thing. Um, but Cash said, you know, um, what he meant to the organization. I mean, if you think about the Rays and their success, Dave Wills has been there so long and has made really the biggest calls, right? He's, he's the voice of the Rays, him and Andy. And so when you think of Rays baseball, those those generations now that have grown up like my son and and your kids now and 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 uh those of us that have been around since 98 when the Rays came um shortly after that when Dave and Andy got together all those moments that's the sound of summer you know that's the sound of Rays baseball is Dave mm-hmm. Wills and Andy and when you lose that when that is silence it's just so surreal but man he was you know, just going back to the iconic moments, right, that he called none none bigger than the final out of 2008. I mean, how many times when Aki Igamora steps on second base, you can hear him, you know, this improbable season has another chapter to it. The Rays are going to the World Series. And, I mean, perfectly timed, steps away, let the crowds go nuts. Like, just, I mean, and then, you know, he had his signature, you know, after a strike, uh, he struck him out and all that. Like those are the things, like just like the soundtrack of our summers, right? Of of our of, of our baseball memories. Uh, if if you watch the Rays, if you're a fan of the Rays, um, that's that's what baseball sounds like, you know, to everybody in Tampa Bay. It sounds like Dave Wills. Like you know, even just before a game, you know, you go to right. the trop and you're waiting to hear, you know, Rays, Tigers. Next. Next. You know, I mean, just there's all yeah. those little one more biscuit for breakfast. Yeah. Every time a, a race player hits one to the warning track, uh, you know, I mean, all those yep. I, I was going through some of those in my mind today, just all those sayings that, yep. you know, 
um, you know, for, you know, Andy Freed and Neil Solans, I'm Dave Wells, you know, hoping you enjoy the broadcast despite the outcome. If, if, if time not, the, race, uh, if you not know, the outcome, yeah. You know, all those, just all those, all those things, all those things. Yeah, the yeah. Davisms that, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we won't get to hear again. And it's, you know, it brought a smile to my face, but it, a tear to my eye as well. I mean, it's. Oh, it's terribly uh, sad. It, it's, it's un- unfair. It, it reminds you of the fragility of life and how, you know, I, I mean, I hugged my kids a little tighter and my wife a little closer and all of that today. I mean, just did, you know, like we we were planning on doing some stuff. We decided just to be together all day, you know, like didn't want to leave them, let them out of my sight. I mean, um, that's that's what it reminds you of is that how how can we, you know, how can you lose them at 58? How can you, you know, have them do a game, you know, on Saturday and then, and then he's gone. Um, but, you know, again, he, he, he was one of those guys that would only want us uh, to remember the good times. He, he also, I mentioned Chicago. Um, for years, he was a member of the broadcast team for the White Sox. He's huge up there, by the way. Um, there's a, so many people. I mean, think about a guy who grew up in the south side of Chicago in Oak Lawn and got to be the White Sox broadcaster, not the Cubs, the White Sox broadcaster on the south side, right? Well, what and, shows you um, is how big he is, and he was the pre- and post-game host. Right. I mean, he filled in occasion, but he wasn't there. On, but he was he the Neil Solons of yeah. the White Sox. Right. Yeah. But it's the local kid from mm-hmm. right down the street, right on the south side. Yep. Bigger-than-life personality. Yep. You know that, uh, yeah. I mean, he's huge, but it, it was it wasn't as the announcer. He was the, Mm-mm. you know, pre and post game, and that's eighteen years ago. He left that job, and he's still big up there. He's still huge. Darren Jackson, who's a member of their broadcast team now, former player, um, said this. He said, "Man, he was as big as life." Dave was always a legend in the city of Chicago, and he was a good man for the game of baseball. If you had Dave as part of any organization, you've got yourself a true warrior going to war with you for you and your guys. Uh, and he says, and that's why I remember about Dave when he was doing his job. He was there to let people know the truth. He was there to be honest about the organization, and he wasn't afraid to go ahead and hold people to task. He goes, I love that about him. He's going to be missed. That's true, too. There are a lot of broadcasters who, who let's face it, they're approved by the team, right? Um, Most and are employed by the team, and Dave was, too. Yeah, and Dave was, too. And they have a responsibility. They know who who writes their checks, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's not there's, there's no secret. They're pulling for the Rays. That's their job um, uh, is to relate to you as the fan. Um, they're the voice of that of that baseball team. But when it didn't go well, uh, when when something or somebody uh, wasn't playing the right way, or or you know something didn't go well, they weren't. Dave was never one that was afraid to tell you. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dave would say. Hey, this is not you know this is not the way it should be, or this shouldn't you know should have gone here with the ball, or you know you know just whatever the moves were, even if it meant uh, whether it was Joe Madden or you know whomever Kevin Cash going to get a pitcher, and you thought mm, you know maybe you should have left him in, maybe you should take him out sooner. They would go through all those thought processes with with you, you know what you were mm-hmm. thinking listening to the broadcast or watching the game, he would be talking about. There was no glossing over any moment, you know, or any decision. And that's what made you know, him the, so likable and so lovable from fans is that right. he was he was your advocate almost on the radio. Yeah. He was thinking what you were thinking. And he was talking mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. 
and 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 kudos to the Rays and and Dave for you know the Rays allowing him to do that. Sure, because not all teams do. We're very lucky in this market. Our teams do. They do allow it. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but you know, Dave Dave did that and didn't take that responsibility lightly either. No, no, he didn't. And he would tell you that you know he knew it was what everybody was thinking and what he was mm-hmm. thinking. And but he did it in such a way. It was never personal. You know, there, mm-hmm. this guy didn't have a bad bone for anybody in his body. You know, um, he genuinely was pulling for these guys to, to be successful. Um, but when they weren't um, or, you know, some something would occur that uh, needed to be called out, he would do so. And Andy would, too. Uh, and they'd have a discussion about it the way you and I would be talking about it sitting at home watching the game. And that's what Dave always wanted to feel like, you know, whether you were cutting the grass or, um you know, watching the game in the stadium or whatever you were doing, you know, he would bring it to you. It was like you were sitting there watching it with him. Um, and that, that mm-hmm. was the, that, that was the secret sauce and, and, and the relationship between him and Andy, as you mentioned, just different people altogether. Um, but those two, their interactions were like brothers and they, they were not the same and that's what made it work. Uh, and they were very self-deprecating. Dave was all the time. Um, and, and so is Andy, but that team, um, is rare. And to think how they got put together without, you know, having done any game, having done anything together. I mean, it was genius on the part of the Rays, um, whoever back in the day, I don't know it was Larry McKay, but whoever chose those guys, um, to separately and then, and then made them a team. Well, it's also rare too, because it's two play by play guys. That's correct. It's not a former player. It's not, you know, That's the correct. kind of the play-by-play guy and the analyst, and the analyst kind of does some play-by-play, which happens Great a lot point. of places. Great point. You know, they put two play-by-play guys together, mm-hmm. and it worked. Yeah. And very it's, it's, you know, and they're very different, and they, but they complement each other so well, both in play-by-play styles and mm-hmm. and, and, and how they approach the game and, and the call of the game and stuff, and that's what makes it work. Um, they found two announcers that were almost polar opposites that formed a great duo. Yeah. Well, he will be missed for all and by all uh, that have ever met him and even those who have not but have listened to him. And the tributes came pouring in. And let me just say that if even a fraction of people uh, remember us, any of us, the way they did Dave Wills, I mean – this has been going on since the news broke and it hasn't stopped and it won't stop. Um, and I'm talking about all walks of life, you know, former players in particular, Kevin Kiermeyer, um, Evan Longoria, like a lot of guys have reached out and, and talked about Dave and the impact he had on them. He was great for players too. Like he did this for players um, in terms of, you know, having to do their, you know, their interviews and make them feel comfortable after tough moments. And, um, and be fair, you know, which is sometimes hard to do and gain their trust like nobody's business, you know. Um, they knew when Dave came to them that he was going to make them, you know, make them the story and, and, and make them look good. And um, so I, it's just, it's it's terribly, terribly sad. It's still unbelievable as we sit here right now, um, some less than 24 hours since, you know, it occurred. But um, I just... 
I, I would just I'll never forget his generosity. Like that's the thing that that for me that that I will take with me, and the, and then the laughs, the fun, the booming laughs, and his voice, which you you heard him before you saw him, and believe me, he could fill up a room. Um, but, but he was that voice that you knew instantly, oh, that's Dave. Dave's, Dave is in the room. Dave is coming. Um, and, and, uh, and he put a smile on your face when you heard him, you know, he was just always upbeat. Yeah. I was just, I, I was texting with him this week actually. Mm. Um, and I was going to see him within a couple weeks. I was scheduled to do a few raise games coming up and yeah. I just, uh, I mean, I, when I saw the news this morning, you know, I texted you and a few others right away. Yeah. And so I found out. I was on the baseball fields coaching between mm-hmm. games and looked at my phone and was like, I read it two or three times. I took it over to my wife and I was like, I, I don't even know what to say. She read and it. And the reaction is always the same. Like, everybody's just like, oh, no. You know, like, my wife was in the car with me. I think we we're going through Starbucks or something like that, and and it came on the phone. And I I was like, you, you sent it to me, and I looked at it. Wait, wait, what? Wait, what? No, you know, it's just like I had to read it several times. It was like, guys, we all just heard him. You know, we all just heard him on the radio. We all getting ready to anticipate another Braves baseball season. And fifty eight, man. <laughs> yeah, his birthday um, was coming up. I think uh, a week from today, March thirteenth. Yeah, yeah, it's two days after my wife's birthday. He's okay. soon to be fifty nine uh, next week. Yeah, yeah, gone way too soon, obviously. But we will hold him uh, dear to our hearts. I'm sure the Rays will do so as well, and I'm sure there'll be lots of um, tributes to him throughout the year. Um, it's going to be really tough on Andy. It's going to be tough on Neil. It's going to be tough on everybody. You, everybody that's been associated with the Rays and that and that broadcast booth to walk in there and not see Dave, right? Uh, it's, it's going to be weird. I mean, it was yeah. weird just the couple of weeks he was out ill last season. Yeah, right. You know, and Neil did a great job filling in, and you know, it's a lot. All the crews the same, et cetera. But it was just weird. Yeah, it's you know, I mean, I moved here to town in 2010, so Andy and Dave have been the only Rays broadcasters I've known. Right. I mean, you know, you really think about it in this town. You know, how long has Gene Deckerhoff and Dave Moore been together? Gene forever. Dave uh, for a good while, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Dave Michigan and Phil Esposito. Michigan got here in, what, 02? Mm-hmm. And then Andy and Dave have been together since 05. I mean, we've the longevity of, of the radio announcers in this town has been incredible. Generations. Even, even, Generations. even the TV ones. I mean, Dwayne Stats has been here. That's right. For long, and Brian Anderson's been a little shorter. Um, you know, Brick mm-hmm. Peckham did, what, 24 years on TV. Just retired two years ago, yeah. You know, it's been, and Chief is, you know, he's still doing stuff with the radio and, and a little bit of TV, but, he, you know, he's been the color analyst since the, the second year of the franchise. I mean. That's right. We've been blessed to have a lot of longevity and consistency, and mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, uh, it's just, it's still unbelievable. I, I still, I, I'm just at a loss. I, all day, I've been just kind of at a loss for words. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you certainly feel for his family. And, um, again, if, uh, and I, I think I saw where Mark Topkin went to one of Dave's favorite places to do. Thomas Pease, yes. He got the yeah. Dave Wills burger, I believe. Or the burger <laughs> wrap, the I think it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um uh, so I would just say, hey, uh, grab your favorite cocktail, whatever that is, or or beverage of any kind, 
um, and, and raise a glass because that's, that's really what Dave was about was enjoying baseball, enjoying his company, enjoying each other. And, you know, that's sort of how I remember him is just, just again, how, how generous and how, how much fun he was and how full of life he was and how he made you feel. And that's the thing, right? It's not, Mm -hmm. people don't, you know, it's not about things. It's not about possessions. Um, clearly, it's about family. We all have these moments in our lives when someone close to us passes, and and the shock of it is just a reminder for those of us who are left behind. Is treasure every moment of every day. Like um, there is tomorrow is not promised to any of us, and you know it's hard to live that way because we all have busy lives and we all have a lot of responsibilities and we have jobs and we. You know, but nothing is really that important. You know what I mean? Like, just enjoy each other's time that we have together here now. And I don't know, it doesn't matter what your faith is and, you know, what what you believe. Um, but, but as far as this world and this life goes, you just you just have to really enjoy people and tell them while they're here what they mean to you. You know, that was the thing. I think Dave knew what he meant to everybody. I think people had spent enough time with him to where, um, he understood how, how beloved he really was. Um, so, but you know, don't, don't miss that opportunity because that was a reminder today that it's, it's one of those things where, you know, again, you remember where you were because he was a larger than life figure and to have him taken from us, um, you know, this soon in life, um, uh, is a shame and it's, it's a terrible tragedy for his family, but he will always be part of, uh, like I said, the 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 sound of raised baseball. Uh, that's what raised baseball will always sound like to to generations of us. So, Godspeed, my friend. Um, you know, we just we just our thoughts are are obviously with his family at this time. All right, um, real quickly, and this is nothing significant uh, compared to what we just discussed. Uh, but before we get to it, I want to talk about the combine and a little bit about the Tampa Bay Lightning and the rut that they're in. Um, but first, I want to remind you guys of how to save money on your electric bill. You can do that by calling May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned and operated business. They've been installing solar electric systems now for 12 years. Um, there's a lot of these companies out there, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. Here's what they do. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty, plus with every installation you get $750 worth of surge protection. That's for all your appliances. That right there is what they call the made difference. If you visit their Hutchins showroom, May Electric uh, displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see exactly what they'll install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors. So all those guys up there working uh, on those solar panels on your roof, those are Billy Mays guys. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar. Here's the number, 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of those appliances. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. So the NFL Combine concluded over this weekend, uh, and I had an opportunity because I'm back from Indianapolis, as uh, I think we spoke about the other day. It took me a little extra day to get back here. But I had a chance to sort of watch the uh, goings-on with one Anthony Richardson, the Florida Gators quarterback. And, you know, I, I got to be honest with you. I saw him play during the season, and the talent is just so right there. Like, you're, it's unworldly, the athletic ability um, to both throw the ball, to run the ball, 
and yet he wasn't very consistent this past year, and he's really only been a starter for one season. And when I heard he was coming out in the draft, I went, yeah, I think it'd be better if he just played more. You know, just play more football, man. Play at the college level, play at the SEC level, try to dominate that. But listen, I'm not him, and I, I don't begrudge any of these athletes that have an opportunity, as he will, because here's the thing. He's going to go in the first round. And after the combine, he's going to go higher than most of us believed he was going to go in the first round. So how are you to tell somebody whose circumstances you don't know and don't have um, that they shouldn't, you know, go for their dreams now as opposed to waiting a year where perhaps they could get hurt or injured and, and the, you know, tomorrow is not promised. So I, I think that I understand why he came out. There are definitely quarterbacks ahead of him in terms of their pedigree and, and where they're going to be drafted. But man, oh man, to watch this guy operate the way he did at the NFL Combine. First of all, Steve, he he was he, he measured in at six foot four. How about this? Because he doesn't look at two hundred and forty four pounds. Reminds you a, a lot. Of, reminds you a lot of Cam Newton. Cam Newton. Uh, here's one for you, Dante Culpepper. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. him, mm-hmm. but he was also extremely. Yep. A uh, large guy, um, maybe even bigger than Cam in some respects. We knew he was going to run well, and he predicted he he had told everybody in his interviews that he was going to run better than Kyle Pitts, his former Garrett's teammate. Uh, and I, I don't know if he was faster. I guess unofficially he wasn't, but officially he was um, just under what what Kyle Pitts ran. He ran unofficially the a four point four four forty. It was adjusted, I think, the four point three nine or four point four one or something like that. Listen, it doesn't matter. That anything moving that fast that big should have a damn license plate on it. That dude was moving and and in an easy sort of striding way. Like, you know, big long guy doesn't no not max effort, just kind of glides out there. Ran one forty, said, Yeah, I'm good. I ran my four four, I'm good. And then he threw the ball. And you watch him, um, I think here's here's and I got a ton of like angry mail. It's funny to me. Because I don't know if these are Gator fans that were not big fans of his since they didn't win a ton of games, or if these were, you know, just haters in general or what. Um, you know, I had written this story about him, so I kept republishing the story as we do to try to get, you know, different eyeballs on it because not everybody looks at the internet at the same time. They don't look at social media at the same time. Um, and so the story was for the weekend for Sunday's Tampa Bay Times. So it was it was sort of published on you know, on uh, on Friday afternoon. So depending on when you looked, you may have, may have missed it. But a lot of people were sort of like, yeah, no, I'm good. Seen the guy play. Oh, 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 you think he's a first round? Oh, really? He's going to go high in the first round? Oh, come, you know, like sort of like, do you know football? And, you know, that sort of thing. Like you must be carrying water for the Bucks. I get that a lot. Um. No, I was just promoting a story I wrote, and I do that all the time. doesn't matter if it was Leonard Fournette or this guy. Uh, if I write it, I write it. And, you know, and it, look, there are some some very valid criticisms about his game. He was not accurate a lot of times. His, his completion percentage was 54.7. He had 24 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, which you would like to see less than that. But again, one year as a full-time starter, and – the thing about it is if you go back and you look at specific games, you'll see, you know, three drop passes here, uh, maybe a bad read there, maybe a tip ball interception there. Like,
it's it's sometimes it's more than just looking at numbers and saying, well, 54.7, that's horrible, right? Name the Gator receivers he played with, right? I mean, I know who Kyle Trask played with. Who'd this guy play with? Um, so he did an awful lot of it on, on his own. It was, it was you know, sort of his first year under Billy Napier in a sense. Um, I just think that here's what you got to know about the NFL, like any level of football, but particularly at that level. It's all about the quarterback. It really is. Like, it just is. And if you don't have one, and right now there are 14 teams that are okay with their quarterback, and some are better than okay if you've got Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. But the 14 teams that made the playoffs, they're, they're like, yeah, okay, well, well, I'm okay with Geno Smith. I'm just, I would like to do better, but I'm okay with, you know, whomever was in the postseason. The rest of them are all in the same boat. They're looking for the guy. They're looking for that franchise guy. And how do you typically get them? You, you generally draft those dudes. And they're gone pretty early in the first round, not because that they're all going to make it or that you know that they're a lock, because the bust rate in the first round for almost any position is about 50%, and for quarterbacks it's probably bigger. Um, but it's there's a rookie salary pool, so the investment financially is not what it used to be. It's not like you're guaranteeing you know, certain guys – um, fifty, sixty million dollars, like they did, you know, before two thousand and eleven. You have a rookie salary pool, so these guys are under your control for four or five years, depending on where they're drafted. So, I would draft a quarterback every year, maybe not in the first round, but like, what if he is ceiling, which is incredibly high? What if he comes close to it? Now, the floor is also very low, right? But if if you had a plan with this guy and he doesn't go to the worst team in the league and they throw him in there under center on day one, that's not what you should do with Anthony Richardson. If you can do what Kansas City did, now think about how talented Patrick Mahomes was, right? And yet he still lasted until Kansas City jumped up and got him at what, like 15th overall or something like that? Um, so he, they put him behind Alex Smith for an entire year. You don't think he could have played? on a pretty good Kansas City team that made the playoffs as a rookie? Sure he could have, but he wasn't ready, right? He needed he needed a season to learn, to work on things mechanically, how to put together game plans, how to, how to, how to um, make corrections after a loss, like all those things that you need to learn in the quarterback room. Spend a year with Anthony Richardson. I'm telling you, Steve, I, I don't know if he's going to be able to play dead in the NFL. I really don't, but he sure as heck would be worth a gamble. I can tell you that right now. Well, somebody's going to take a gamble, and he's probably not going to be there at 19 when the Bucks draft. No way. No way. He'll go top 10, I believe, now. Mm-hmm. I just do. I would Carolina's agree. sitting there at 9. I think, you know, um, I'll tell you, uh, one, uh, there's a couple teams. Detroit would be one. Um, and another one would be, uh, this, how about the Seattle, how about the Seattle uh, Seahawks at 5? There's going to be quarterbacks go one, two, and three above him. I think he'll probably be the fourth, third or fourth quarterback off the board. But if you're the Seattle Seahawks and you're going to like franchise Geno Smith, right, for one more year, mm-hmm. and Geno's getting up in age, and Geno's done an unbelievable job there this past year. They went nine and seven, whatever. There's a perfect opportunity. You bring him in, mm-hmm. right? You give him a year behind Geno. You're not in a, you're not in a pressure situation to, to play him right away. Um, Pete Carroll is, you know, pretty solid coach and – would have a plan for him and all of that. I mean, that makes sense. There's a lot of teams, I think, uh, this year that aren't bad football teams drafting fairly high. It's not like in past years because of all the trades that San Francisco and other teams have made. 
Um, so I, I th- if he goes to the right place, it'll be really intriguing to see what he does. He's the most intriguing guy in the draft. He really is. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, finally, um, let's talk about this a little bit. Now, the Tampa Bay Lightning have now lost five in a row, Steve. First time since when, did you say? 2014? March of 2014. Man, I didn't realize it had been that long. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did see that uh, they went a second period on Sunday when... No shots on goal. Were, no shots on goal. And that's the first time since 2019 that has happened. They rang one off the post, but no shots they on did. goal. They did. But no shots on goal. Okay, well, let's go back a night before that. <laughs> when they were at Buffalo and John Cooper, things were not going well. I forget what the score was. I think they were trailing by at least four or five goals at the time going into the third. I think it was four to one. Four to one. Okay, that sounds about right. Um, and John Cooper decided, you know what? I've seen enough. And he sat... Steven Stamkos and Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov for the entire third period. They did, got zero ice time. And then asked about it afterwards. He's like, look, those guys, and I'm paraphrasing, 99.89% of the time, they give us the best chance to win. Tonight, I didn't feel like they did in the third period, so we held them out. And you know what? It almost worked. And th- they did play a better third period, mm-hmm. and they scored some goals. And I don't know if they weren't available after the game. I didn't see where they were quoted until after Sunday's game. Here's what I thought at the time. At the time when he did it, I, I thought, first, my first thought was, well, good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't play him either because I don't want to get him hurt. This game's over. And you know what? It's on everybody else if they don't have their start. And then I realized, no, wait a minute. He's sending a message here. Mm-hmm. You know, this is him. This is John Cooper saying, I don't care who you are. I'll bench the best three players on the team if we're not getting if they're not getting it done. So you all better get your game in order because I'll sit the captains. I don't care. We're going to start playing the right way. So that gets everybody's attention. He was sending a message, right? Mm-hmm. Well, all that sounds good. It really does. And there's a psychology behind it. And who am I? You know, I think John Cooper has like the second greatest winning percentage of all time. Um, you know, and, and, and a couple Stanley Cups to his credit. Uh, so who am I to question? But just from a, like, I was thinking about this from a player standpoint, you know, like if you're Stamkos, you're Steven Stamkos, and you're you're subjected to that sort of head game, mind game for everybody to see. Uh, and maybe this is the intended consequence, but I think I think it can backfire. I think this is one of those things where you go, wait a minute. This is this is this is silly, right? Like this is if we're going to get this done. And Stamkos said this after the game on Sunday. If this worked, 
everybody would do it. This, you know, benching us or benching your best player, whatever, whatever that just happened, if it were that simple, or if that was the if that was the the, the right thing to do, then everyone would do it. Listen, we need to be on the ice. Everybody needs to be on the ice and figure this out together, coaches and players. This is not the time for a head game. I just got this feeling that if Stamkos could just say what he really wanted to say, it was, oh, stop. You know, like, really? You're going you're gonna to do this to me? You're going to do this to us? You're going to make us the examples? Really? After, after and, I, and, and I'm sure they see the psychology in it and the message that it's sending and all of that, and they probably think, this is stupid. Right, this is unnecessary, and I'd be a little concerned about what that will do between Cooper's relationship and and at least one or two of those guys. Well, a couple things, and look, any move like this can absolutely backfire, and it may. And 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 look, in a month or just over a we'll month know. when the playoffs start, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna know whether yeah might be the turn this helped point, or you know? didn't. You know yeah. Um, Time's going to tell. Right now, the team has no confidence. Nope. And it, they look like a tired team to me. They mentally. Do. Mentally tired. They do. And they're in a stretch now where I think it's four or five straight weeks of four games in six nights. Mm-hmm. Like, the next, the next time they have two days in a row without a game is three weeks from now. And they've already been playing two weeks of no more than a day off in between games. Like, there's no time for them to rest. I know Brian Engblom thought it was a brilliant move. He did. He did. And he said it, it takes something to not bench him for a shift or part of a period, but for a whole period to bench mm-hmm. your top line. Yeah. But And look, let, let's not kid ourselves either. John Cooper didn't make that decision on Saturday in the second intermission. And he kind of said that on his TNT interview before the game on Sunday. This is something that's been building up, and and I don't know if he thought about doing a whole period or whatever, but they're not responsible enough in their own end right now as a team. And Pat Maroon said this after the game on Saturday. He said, look, yeah, they benched that line, but it could have been any one of us benched because none of us are playing well. None of us are doing our job. That's true. You can't bench everybody. Nope. You know, but it but might as well start with your best players. Yeah. Well, if you want to get their attention, and like I said, well, whether this works or not, we're going to know in five to six weeks. Yeah. It's a gamble, but isn't isn't all coaching moves a gamble essentially? Sure. I mean, it, it would have been a gamble to just let them keep doing what they're doing. Well, yeah. I mean, possibly, yeah. You I, mean, know, I mean, you can only change it up so much. You haven't lost five games in a row since. The 2013-2014 season. Right. You know, that was before this big run of playoffs. I mean, that was the year that they made the playoffs and got swept in the first round. And then the next year they went to the Stanley Cup final. Mm-hmm. So, uh, look, they're not playing good hockey right now. They're not doing – not everything is bad. But, man, every mistake ends up in their net. And it's usually – Someone wasn't back enough or someone they're not hard enough on the puck or, you know, it's all those little things that we don't see from this lightning group. So Cooper took a chance to shake something up, whether it works. I don't know. We'll see. I I just I wonder what the potential of back this backfiring would be like. 
It won't matter because if they win, it'll be well. You know, it was because Cooper. You know, was was daring enough to bench his three best players, and that woke everybody up. It didn't wake them up on Sunday. I promise you that. I, I, um, Brian Engbaum kept. He was he was talking a lot about that. He filled in on the radio broadcast on Sunday because there was a TNT game, so he, there was no Bally's t- covered. Right, right. And he talked a lot about they look tight. Mm-hmm. You know that that one of the things of that move is everyone's playing a little nervous. Now they're on edge. Now, know? was that going to last for five weeks from now? No. Right. But the next day, everyone's a little nervous. Everyone's holding that stick a little tighter. Everyone's a little yeah. hesitant. Mm-hmm. And it showed. Now, can they fix it with Philly coming to town on Tuesday? A team out of the playoffs? That's what you hope. You know, you, you kind of knew Sunday. Sunday was, uh, I mean, that's a bad back-to-back have anyway to go play Carolina. It was, you know, Boston's the best team in the East, but Carolina ain't far behind them. It's always been a tough matchup for the Lightning. So, I get what Cooper did. And, and look, this wasn't a move he just decided in a whim in the middle of the game. This has been brewing for a while. Mm-hmm. I think the if the leadership in the room is as strong as everyone claims it is, then I don't think this, I don't think this has any long-term ramifications for the team as far as negative impact. I, I think this team is confident enough in itself that they may not have liked the move. They may have disagreed with the move, but I don't think they're going to let it impact how this team plays down the stretch as far as, you know, this turns negative on them. Now, whether whether they can improve or not or whether they've just hit a wall, we're going to find out. Because we haven't seen a stretch like this. Like I said, with this group – I mean, how many yeah. players? How many players were on that roster in 2013-14? Oh God! Stamkos, Hedman, Kalorn, Cooch, mm-hmm. probably, but he may not have been. He may have been. He was up and down mm-hmm. at that point. He was just starting. Anybody else? I mean, Palat and Johnson, but they're gone. I mean, that may have been it. Vazzy wasn't up yet, I don't believe. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's been – this is not common for them. It's a tough stretch they're in, and, and it's not going to get any easier as far as the number of games and such for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. They've got to dig themselves out, and it's, you know, it's going to take – as as they the players have talked and Brian Amblom was talking, you know, they're gonna, each player's got to look themselves in the mirror and – you know, what am I doing to help get the, out of this? Because, you know, it, it, confidence is a funny thing. And, and Oh, in, in sports, it's fleeting. I don't think people realize mm-hmm. that you can be that, you know, defending Stanley Cup champion three-time, two-time defending to the, mm-hmm. to the finals three years in a row, um, well into the playoff picture, secure in the fact that you think you're going to make it, all that stuff. And then, and then... Doubt starts to creep in. You lose mm-hmm. a game. Ah, no big deal. You lose another game. All right, we got to get this going. Okay, you lose. Now, all of a sudden, you look up, and you've lost five in a row. And not just lost them, but you're giving up five and six goals a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter if Vassie's in the net or Elliott. Like it, you're just giving up tons of goals. And and now, you went through an entire period without a shot, right? Like, that's unheard of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... 
Yeah, confidence in sports is fragile. Well, and, and, and the weird and, thing is sometimes you get players that lose confidence. Oh, sure. But your teammates are will try to help you out or put you in good positions. They're supposed to and pick the coach you back as up. Well, it's yeah. What do you do when the whole team is losing confidence? <laughs> well, that's that's the problem. And, you know, in Cooper's world, benching these three guys makes everybody on notice. Maybe they got a little tight or maybe it inspires those three and others to play the right way. Um, it's not going to turn around. You know, the funny thing is, is that if they go out there and, and, you know, beat the hell out of Philly, that might be all they need. Um, and everything will be fine. But cause it, cause, cause it can turn fast just as fast as you lose it. You can gain it again. But I would be a little concerned because, you know, Hedman went out of that game and he could be nicked up now. These guys have played a lot of hockey, man, a lot of hockey. And some of their some of their players, like a Steven Stamkos, how many more years do they have at this level, at the elite level, where they're going to be contending for a cup every year? I mean, the core is there, sure, and they keep adding to it. There's younger and younger people. they got a lot of new players on this team this year. They're still trying to figure things out. I mean, the trade deadline just happened. they still got some new guys. So, you know, the chemistry isn't – they don't have, you know, the same players they had a year ago. Um, you know, the Barkley Goudreau or, you know, McDonough and all these guys. I mean, Palat and, you know, different players that they used to rely on to get them through stretches like this, they're not there. And so now you got some new guys trying to figure it out. But the core is there and Vasti is there. And you kind of think, well, that should be enough. What if it's not? What if we're starting to see, you know, age, which is undefeated, creep in? And when you get to the dog days like they're in right now, not quite to the playoffs, well past the all-star break, a lot of games in a short span, you're starting to see this fatigue, if you will, mental and physical, take a bigger toll than it normally would because these guys have played so much hockey. And they've done it you know, over the years. So we'll see. It could, could it turn around with, with a couple of goals and a win over Philly? Sure, it could. Um, but it also could be a situation where we're starting to see the erosion of, you know, of this, of this current group. Um, cause there's a lot of guys, Alex Kalorn, there's just a lot of guys that have played a lot of hockey, you know, and I just don't know what we're seeing right now. Maybe it's just a funk. Maybe it's just confidence and, you know, a lot of games in a short period and we're kind of in the dog days and not quite to the playoffs, but tell you this much, Steve, they're going to have to win because if they don't get points, they're not going to make the playoffs if you keep, if you keep it go down this path. Well, I mean, I mean like they've not clinched the playoff berth yet. They still have, I, I want to say it's a 10 or 11 point lead Yeah, from fourth place in the division, which is the cut line, essentially. Right. Um, they're still in a good spot. I mean, yeah. you know, there's what, if 19, you can turn it there's around. 19 games to go. Right. You, you don't have to sit there and win 13 of them to make the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you like know, to win more than half, though. You, yeah. And if you, win, if you win half of them, you're probably going to make the playoffs. That's true. Yeah. You know, barring and they know that. a huge comeback by Buffalo or, uh, you know, Ottawa or, yeah. you know, the other teams of Florida in the division. I mean, they're still sitting in a good playoff spot. Mm-hmm. You'd like to be playing better when the time you get to the playoffs. We got 19 games to go. You got time to do that, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, that's the other part of the timing of what John Cooper did. He didn't do this a week before the playoffs. That's true. You know, I mean, it's all part of the calculated risk. Mm-hmm. Whether the risk pays off, ask me in five or six weeks. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, they're either going to make the postseason and do something once they get there or they won't. We'll look back on this as either a turning point or something that just, you know, was he had to try something and it just didn't stimulate them. But regardless, um, they're not playing well. And the only guys that can figure out are the guys on the ice and and, and, and the coaches. Getting back home will help. They've always played pretty well here, even though they've lost some games of late. But I, I think getting in front of their home crowd will certainly be a big boost. All right, so we've got uh, kind of a busy week, kind of a weird week in the NFL. Uh, we'll be following. I think the Bucks have until Tuesday at 4 o'clock to decide whether to use their franchise tag. Um, uh, good chance or a chance they could use it on Jamel Dean, but they're so far over the salary cap. That's a hard $17.5 million that you would add to it, so might not be fiscally uh, able to do that. Um, but we'll have news on that at some point uh, tomorrow or Tuesday. Also, you can send in your mailbag questions at any time. I got some uh, that we haven't gotten to today. We'll do that later in the week for sure. You can send it to us at SportsDayTV. Reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or me, my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Prayers to Dave Wills' family. Keep them in your thoughts. Um, and, um, man, I just uh, I just choose to remember the great times that we all had with him. It, it, he has been a joy for all of us that uh, that have been involved with Rays baseball and have followed it, and as the fans in particular, I know um, uh, that we will uh, we will certainly miss them, but never forget them um, because, like I said, uh, as Mark wrote, Dave Wills really loved being Dave Wills, and we all loved him as well. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 